everybody, this is the Wild Ass Podcast, and I am your host, Wild Ass Craig. This is episode 27, and in this episode, I get to reintroduce all of you to Ben Fopp. Ben was my guest back in episode 15, and just as a quick recap, we met at the GS Trophy Qualifier back in September. Ben is the first of my guests that I have gotten a request to get back on the show. Of course, the reason for this, and the reason I wanted him back as well, is to hear just how the trophy went in Albania. So in this podcast, we're going to learn from Ben's perspective more about BMW's GS Trophy. Not a lot of notes in this one, so let's just get it started. Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome back. back. You actually were requested to be back on as a guest. I think I sent you that in a text. Yeah, you did. That's that's cool. Glad to... able to come back on yeah it is it means people are listening which i like because in your story particularly there's an event coming up you were getting ready for and now we got the suspense of what happened when he was there yeah full circle here where do you want to start it was what a week or so before yeah we uh, recorded yeah i think we recorded a week before you left i think the show was coming out the day of the event or maybe the day you were arriving there i don't remember exactly yeah when we recorded, going back to that one, your wife was pregnant at the time. What's the update? She is due next month. So here in a couple of weeks, should have a, a new son. It'll be number three. Well, congratulations. Sounds like you know what it's going to be. Yeah, we do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the pregnancy was enough of a surprise. We, did, we didn't want any more surprises added to it. No, I suppose not. When uh, So going back. All right. So we'll talk about the trophy. Because we got the family updates, we got all that stuff in the last episode. As for the trophy, we talked about the training that you did in the last episode. How did that pay off for the trophy itself? Um, The training for the trophy itself was a little bit different than qualifier. I did change up my training regimen. Overall, I would say it was decently well-prepared training-wise. There was a few spots that going back now I would change overall, though. I think it was it was decently spot on. Was hitting lots of mainly trying to get a lot of seat time in, just because I don't I'm not typically off for you know a week or so riding ten to twelve hours a day. So I was trying to make sure my my butt and arms and all that you know were in condition to yeah to just be riding long distance. And then on that, I mean, you're not really on the road; you're off road. In Albania, it was almost entirely off road and. Even when you were on the road, sometimes it was hard to tell what you were on. It was <laughs> the roads were sometimes paved, but so bad it was uh, you may as well have been off road. One of the things that you had said, training for time on the bike, that did not even dawn on me. The actual amount of time you will be riding a motorcycle all day—that's a lot of work. So how how did that go? Overall, I was good. I, I um, was fairly fairly alert. I was usually not too tired by the end of the day. I did end up getting sick uh, A3. I, I got sick. So then at that point, I was just, just fighting to <laughs> stay alive. <laughs> so I was pretty out of it for a few days. And that didn't that didn't help. But it was, it, oddly enough, I felt better while I was riding than I did off the bike. Because when I was off the bike, I had time to think about how I didn't feel good. And when we were ripping, I had to focus on what I was doing and suck it up. <laughs> sure. When you when you were getting ready, was there a lot of physical training like endurance, weightlifting, running, any of that kind of stuff that you did? I did a little bit of that. Yeah, I tried to get cardio up, mainly for for some of the challenges. I didn't really feel like I needed the cardio on the bike necessarily, but 
as you know, they can have you doing all sorts of random things. And it's usually, you know, something cardio based where you're, you're sprinting or pushing a bike or pulling a truck or something like that. So I did work on that some. Mainly it was practicing on the bike. No, I get what you're saying. Mainly bike training. Sure. You had said something else there too, and now it's skipping my mind. But to get ready, you did all the training. Oh, that's what you had said. The trof- the qualifier was different than the tro- trophy, the training that you did in between the two. So you prepped all year for the qualifier. Now when you find out you make the team, did you get, were there any past participants that reached out and offered you advice and told you different things to train for and to do? Um, so the, there was. I did talk to a few different participants from, from previous trophy teams. Training-wise, they didn't necessarily give advice on training. It was more advice on on the event and, I guess, a good mindset to come into the event with. And um, I'll, I'll get more into that in a minute. But, yeah, training-wise, I did completely change it up after the qualifier. That event was done. And then so I kind of started researching Albania a decent bit, trying to discover just the type of terrain that I thought we'd be encountering the most. It was mainly rocks, which proved to be true. Yeah, I remember um, in the last episode you were talking about the terrain and what you had researched. So I was, I was curious to see how similar it was to what you found through research once you got there. What was it? How did it compare? It, it was pretty. It was about what I expected. I didn't run into anything that was like, oh, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for this. Couple days. We had one day. It was actually one of the most fun days we had, where we were slogging through mud in the mountains most of the days, and that I wasn't really expecting, but it was super fun, and I'm kind of used to that stuff here in Virginia, so we had a blast in that, making fun of each other. <laughs> We're struggling through the mud. But um, other than that, I would say the terrain pretty much met my expectations, and I, I felt well prepared for it. That's awesome. Now, I want to talk about the days of the trophy, but I have one question that I did write down, and that was, how did the qualifier relate to the actual event? It's completely different but then similar at the same time. So the qualifier, you're, you've got, you know, all your different specials, let's say that you're doing your, you know, each event that you're getting scored on. Those are similar. That aspect of it is pretty much the same where they could throw any sort of weird little thing at you. It could be riding. It could be navigation. It could be pulling a truck, riding blindfolded and having a teammate guide you with your comms. A lot of cones courses, which, in Albania, of course, we're all off-road. You know, they find little sections of rocks or across the beach or, and, you know, set up courses that you're timed going through. And um, the similarities of it are when you're in that, that special stage. With qualifier, you're kind of doing back-to-back. During the trophy, your scored special stage is five minutes of your day. The other, you know, you might have two or three of those a day. The rest of it, you're just out riding, touring the country, and it's unscored. And you're just having fun. You can, the only thing you can do is you can lose points in between your, you know, when you're not in a special stage, if you're, you're being reckless or dangerous, marshal could dock you points. But and a marshal's with you all that, day, right? Yeah. So when you're out riding, you could have a marshal and they're, they're the navigator. We don't know where we're going. They know where the special stages are. Yeah. We'd follow them. You'd have, you would team up with another country every day. You get to ride and spend all day with that other country. Sometimes you'd have a second marshal, but usually it was just one, and you'd ride with them throughout the day. A guided tour with a few five-minute test sessions in there, huh? Yeah, absolutely. And so, majority of it, you're just having fun and sightseeing and 
as much as you can. I mean, some of the it, it depended on the marshal you had and the, the country you were riding with. Because there's, even though everybody's good riders there, there's still a very uh, pretty big gap in skill levels or where people's particular skill sets are. So some days you'd be riding really slow, and it was definitely more of a tour. And then there was other days where if the marshal felt like everybody was up to par and they could rip, you'd be riding all out all day. And that was it was challenging, but also a lot of there was times you'd stop and you've been so focused on your riding and you're like, Whoa, where those mountains come from? I didn't uh, <laughs> never even saw those because you're, you can't take your eyes off, you know, what you're, what's right in front of you. And, uh, that sounds amazing. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the event. So this, so the listeners know, I don't have a lot of questions because I want this to go the direction that it goes naturally. I asked you if you had anything, we had notes or if you had anything to go by and you said, nope, I really don't. We're just going to wing it, which is awesome. The one thing you do have is your pictures from the event. So I want to ask you first, kind of what was going through your mind emotionally, your thoughts, your feelings as you're packing your luggage at home to get ready to take off on this trip? What was going through your mind? Um, it was it was one of those things where, it, you know, it's been two years in the in the making and so when it was finally time to pack, I'm like, all right, this is it. It's actually happening. It's, I don't know. It's like anything you prepared for a long time, and it's finally happening. It doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't seem real. And it hadn't really sunk in. Like, I was getting ready to leave, and everybody's like, you excited? I'm like, uh, I mean, I was I was excited, but not, like, ecstatic either. I was just, like, kind of focused on what I needed to do. And I knew once I got there, I would definitely be excited. That's just kind of my personality. So when you got so, there, you, you made the flight. When you well, got there... There There's more? a whole story in that in and of itself. <laughs> well, I almost didn't get, get there. <laughs> so it turns out the day I, when I flew out, the day I'm, I'm heading to the airport, I'm walking out of the house, and I get a an email that my flight has changed. Luckily, and it was earlier than what it was supposed to be. Luckily, I had buffered in some extra time and still got there on time because it changed. I think it was three hours before my flight took off, and it was leaving earlier than that. And apparently the reason being is there was a strike in Munich um, at the airport. Pilots were on strike, and that's where I was flying into. And it was scheduled. The scheduled strike was the day I was supposed to be there. <laughs> anyway, Convenient. <laughs> I arrived in, yeah, in Munich, and it's just flights everywhere canceled. My flight had changed, and then flights that they had changed it to got canceled. So at this point, I'm like, crap. Yeah, my flight, I get into Munich, which I don't know why... I guess Munich was the only hub I could go to because it was like, I don't know what changing my flight is going to do if I'm still in Munich. But anyway, they still sent me to Munich, get there, and the flight's canceled. Great. I'm supposed to be in Albania that same day. And so I'm, at this point, starting to, I'm looking at renting a car and driving to Albania. I'm like, it's 16 hours there. I'm like, I can make it. If worst case scenario, I can still, <laughs> I can still get down there before we actually start. Ended up spending like two, oh, I forget how many hours, close to two days. But ended up Switzerland and Serbia, and then eventually get into Albania at like four in the morning the day before, and so get to sleep for I think it was two hours <laughs> up at six. <laughs> so uh, at this point, is all of camp. Team USA together? No, we were all separated. Jim and Corey came in. They their flights were fine. I was originally scheduled to be there before them, and they beat me by almost a day. So the top the qualifier of the there. U.S. is the last one there. Uh, yeah, along with a few other, there was I wasn't the only competitor. There was a few of the other countries. Their 
competitors got caught in Munich as well. I actually met a few of them there. Met the the French women's team in Serbia, and so anyway, we, me and those two ladies, traveled the rest of the way into Albania together. Nice. So, and I kind of cut you off when you got to camp. Of course, it's middle of the night. It was right around four a.m., so it was kind of jump in the shower, get sure. to bed for two hours, and then back up at it. Slept through my alarm. <laughs> and then, uh, so then they, the the uh, hotel called me, and they're like, "They're waiting for you." I'm like, "Crap!" <laughs> Grab my stuff, and get out to the shuttle, and then they they shuttled us out to um, out to our base camp, which was probably an hour and a half away. And that was we we're right out on the beach, uh, all our tents set up on the beach, and then just off the uh, kind of the back of it was a campground that they rented the whole thing out to us. And that's where everything was set up, and so first day was basically just orientation, getting your comms set up, getting neck braces fitted, getting forms filled out. And, going over the rules and basically how everything would be scored. And so they had a lot of different stations set up where you're going around. They had to you know hit each station. Sure. So when you're getting all your stuff set up, I'm assuming this is the day that you go see your bike with your name on it and your number. Well, tell us about yeah, that. Yeah, so they had all the bikes. They had all the bikes. It was We, we were doing rough calculations. Approximately $3 million worth of a brand new GSs all in this kind of little corralled, fenced-in area so we could see them but we couldn't they wouldn't let us in there <laughs> start with they're like taking pictures and zooming in trying to see which ones ours and stuff from the from the edges and uh once they do officially open the event so you know they got a ribbon up and everything and everybody comes in with your flags and they had a few little announcements and they cut the ribbon and then everybody's allowed to to go in and get your get your bike so that's pretty exciting everybody's super stoked and, what was it like walking and, up to your bike it's it's pretty it's a cool feeling like it's I don't know. It's hard to describe, but it, it was just super, super fun being able to, to go up and like, yep, that's mine for a short period. But <laughs> Right. But when you walk up to it, I mean, that's the bike that for two years you have been preparing to get. And there it was right in front of you. Yeah. And there's, it, there's a lot of a lot of emotion and excitement like throughout the whole area. I mean, everybody's hooting and hollering and <laughs> taking pictures and lots of bikes revving and it had three kilometers on it, so about a mile and a half, give or take. And uh, that was that was that was it was a cool experience being able to do that. Once once you're in there and kind of it, it settles down a little bit, then it was get them set up. Um, you know, which not a whole lot you can do, just adjust levers and shifters and stuff like that to your liking. And how many mechanics do they have doing this for everybody? Do you remember? Like, did you notice? So they definitely have mechanics there. I'm not sure how many there were, but they did have a mechanic truck that was running around. It had a spare bike on that. And then they, they there was a couple, I think two spare bikes. I don't know, there's probably more than that I just didn't see, but definitely a truck. I think it was two mechanics in it. And then they had all sorts of stuff, parts and tires. And um, the amount of tires sitting there, it was a massive mound of tires and rims and of just spares all piled up behind the bikes. And luckily, though, from what I saw, I, there wasn't, I didn't see many mechanical issues. There was definitely flat tires, which considering the terrain we were riding over was to be expected, but I didn't see or hear of really many breakdowns. There was a couple, but it wasn't much considering the amount of motorcycles that were there. Sure. Talk us through, like, I don't want to say every day at the same, you know, talk us through all of them, but do you remember 
highlights or when as you're looking through your pictures, what do you remember about day two? Tell us about day two. Day two for us is basically the official, well, it's like day one, because that's when the event's actually starting, because, you know, your first day is just your prep admin day. So they would, each day you're breaking camp, load all your gear up in the trucks, which you you stage all your gear, and then each take turns, different countries, loading the trucks. So day one, we were stuck with loading the truck, and there's supposed to be us in another country, and I don't know where they went. So it was just, and then Corey was gone one of my teammates so it ended up just being myself and jim that loaded almost the entire truck before so ex- anybody else showed up <laughs> explain this i don't know if everybody knows you're sleeping in tents bmw provides yeah, everything so go right from wake up to loading up that truck since that was the day that you guys got to do it tell us that whole process like literally from yeah, you getting you, out of your sleeping bag to loading everybody's stuff everybody's issued kind of like the military in a sense everybody's issued pretty much the same stuff you can have one bag and they, they give it to you it's a, and all the gear you really need that's a huge duffel bag you got 10 sleeping bags your sleeping mat anything you don't want to carry with you the only thing you had on the bike was a small tail bag other than that you didn't really have anything you couldn't carry a camelback or anything everything either had to fit in your pockets or in that tail bag so not much you could basically hydration pack and couple granola bars is about all you could fit. Okay. Um, so, of course, we're sleeping right on the beach, right on the the Adriatic Sea. Either the Adriatic or Ionian. I forget which one it was, but gorgeous sea right there. And, I mean, we're right on the beach. So, the uh, get up, get breakfast. And I'm a big coffee drinker. Over there, they have coffee, but it's, uh, it's not like American coffee. <laughs> they give you these little shots of... Yeah, uh, espresso. Kind of in... Kind of intense, kind of gross coffee. And so that was a little bit different. And then the food was really interesting because it was, they had a lot of different food and I couldn't figure out what you were supposed to do with it. Like they'd have, they'd have cheese, they'd have all these jams and honey and, but there was like nothing to put the stuff on. So I'm like, what do you, like I get, this is good, this is good, this is good. But how do you combine them together and actually make a meal? And that was a kind of a common theme throughout the whole thing. It was like, it was times it made sense, but it was a lot of other times I'm like, I'm not sure how you're supposed to put this together. But the hard boiled eggs were always a safe bet. And uh, I'd usually grab some of those and cups of coffee and, and some granola bars. I actually had trouble eating quite a bit for breakfast. I usually would just eat because I knew I would need to, but I guess just kind of nerves didn't really feel like eating a whole lot. Once we were done, you're, you're packing up. It was the morning of, it was fairly, fairly quick. Get packed up. Then we were assigned to the gear truck that day. So we were one of the last ones to leave that day because they released the teams a few minutes apart. I think it's five minutes apart. So we were one of the last ones first day. And that order would rotate. So everybody would get a chance to be in first, last, in the middle. And loading the truck. So everybody drops their gear in a, a staging area. We go over there and it's a big, uh, big box truck. We load all the gear in. And once that was done, and make our way to the bikes and get so- ready for our turn. And so each rider yep. is responsible for your own tent, luggage, everything, packing it up, getting it in a bag, and then carrying it yeah, to the truck, it up. basically? Yeah, getting it to the staging area, and then, then whoever's loading the trucks or assembly line into the into the back of the truck. So day one, you're the pack mule, and you start out in the back of the pack when it goes to riding. What kind of riding was done on that day? Once we're, we're getting ready to take off, that was, the, the takeoff was really fun, because that was the you know, the official start, they got the checkered flag and everything. 
you know, announcing the start. And I don't know, a lot of excitement in the air when you're getting ready to take off. And then once your turn comes up, they wave the flag and, and you're off with the marshal. And then we went all of probably five minutes and then we're stopped for our first special stage. <laughs> Which, so when you get, like, when you I, got to that stage, were the other ones doing it? So you got to watch it. It was a huge line. It was a ma- like literally all the riders that had left in front of us were all vast majority of them were still sitting there. So we started out, we go five minutes and then we waited for every bit of an hour. And they have the special stage just over the edge of the hill where you could like, you could hear motors revving and occasionally you'd see a bike, but you couldn't tell what was going on. So we sat there for an hour waiting in line because everybody had, had bottlenecked right there because it was so close to the start. So once we get to that stage, we eventually, well, let me back up. So a few of the extra challenges they have throughout the week is you had to do, they had a video challenge and a photo challenge. So you had to, they had parameters set of what you had to make. And then these are scored as well. And the first, the video and photo challenge were pretty soon. Like you didn't have a whole lot of time to, I think it was day three. So you didn't have a whole lot of time to um, put something together. So we actually, we, started working on ours when um while we were waiting we actually left the group for that first stage and we're all shooting videos of, of what we wanted to do but anyway, once that was done then went through our first special stage which completely botched so all the stages are pretty much always four times and then you would also be penalized for hitting borders dropping the bike putting a foot down that sort of thing and it, those would those would vary but pretty consistently it was always four times well I don't know if we misheard them. They didn't tell us right, whatever. They they just they said you have a three minute time cap. I'm like, okay. yeah, all right, we got three minutes. It's just a little enduro track. Nothing really challenging about it. It's just a little track over some off road obstacles and you come and you stop in a box. I'm like, all right, it's a piece of cake. Three minutes. Like, and then so he, one rider would go. He'd complete it. Once he was stopped in the box, the second rider could go, and then same for the third. Like, piece of cake. We got this. So <laughs> we take off and do it. Not in too big of a rush because it's so like we could easily do it within three minutes. Like we, there's no reason to even have a. We were a decent clip, but not rushing by any means. And um, find out later at the end of the day that no, it, it was four times with three minute time cap. Like oh crap. <laughs> oh, oh no! Uh, right off the bat, we lost a lot of points on that one, which sucked. It was like oh gosh, had we messed that up? So once, which we didn't realize that till later in the day. So we're, we're like, yeah, we did good. We didn't take any points on that. And so the rest of the day, we're, you know, riding along in good spirit. And that was, so a lot of it we were on, it's just, just gravelly tracks. There wasn't anything too difficult till we started getting off into the edge of the mountains. And then, oh, actually, let me back up. So when we left that, that challenge, there actually was a difficult section. It was a beach section, but it was just like loose pedals and stuff. It wasn't really sand, but it's really deep. And Corey, my teammate, had been, we were still getting used to the bikes because I'd I don't have a 1250. I got a 1200. So a little bit differences, but um, sure. he was telling us, he's like, you got to make sure the traction controls off. doesn't matter you know, if you're an enduro pro or not. I'm like, yeah, it seems to be doing fine with the traction control on. And it was like, no sooner than we've been having this conversation, we, we get out on this beach section and I had forgotten and my traction control was still on. It's an enduro pro, so it'll still spin, but we pull out on the beach and it just, I just think right. It was like, I'm trying to go and it's just cutting power. And I've buried it pretty quickly and uh he's laughing he's like i told you <laughs> turn your traction control off uh, so with traction out. control it just stopped it yeah it so in you know sand or really 
steep, loomy gravel like that, I mean, you really want to be able to just rip the rear yeah. wheel yeah. and not have it cutting you at all. And it was like right when I needed it to go, it was going to be cutting it back. And anyway, after that, I was like, all right, Corey, you are correct. I'll ride the traction control off, <laughs> which I normally do. And I don't know why I just, it got me. But anyway, and that wasn't scored. It was just a embarrassing moment. And you're the only one to get stuck. After that, we worked our way up into the mountains and got on this really nasty hill climb, which there was a lot of people hung up on, and uh, just really deep gravel and gravel and rock. And it was, I forget how many bikes were piled. Like, it just kept, it was super, super long climbing up into the mountains, and it just kept getting progressively steeper and steeper and steeper. And so just, again, a big log jam on this section. And when we're coming up to it, we ended up passing these, uh, couple guys on dual sports that were just out riding with their own ATMs and stuff. We pass them heading up into the mountain. Well, we get to the log jam and we're all, we're all waiting and it's just kind of one person going at a time. Some people were struggling and get hung up, get them out of the way and then the next bike would go. Well, these, these dual sport riders come, come ripping up past us and they just pass everybody and make it about halfway up the hill and all three of them are like wiping out, getting stuck. <laughs> and, uh, one of the South African guys, this dude is huge. I think it was one of the girls that gotten stuck on the hill. And so they eventually, he, this South African guy goes over to, uh, help her. And she, he, she just lets him take the bike and to ride it up. And I kid you not, this dude, I mean, he is huge and he grabs that GS. It's the only time I've ever seen someone pick up a GS. And I mean, literally pick it up. He grabbed it. When he picked that thing up, the wheels completely came off the ground and it, like sat down on them. All just like, holy smokes. He looks like. Like, a GS looks little under this guy. He's absolutely massive. Wow. But anyway, this is all happening about the same time these dual sports are getting all stuck and hung up. And the South African, his name's Dalton, and he is just ripping past all these guys. And it's pretty funny. It's like they're they're hung up on, like, 500 and stuff, and this dude on a GS just, <laughs> just rolls right past them up the hill climb and kind of showering them with rocks along the way. <laughs> that was pretty funny. That was a, that was a fun hill climbing getting up and then um uh, rest of the day other than that was just gorgeous scenery just the views in the mountains there are really really pretty that's the alps right yeah yeah the alps run through there that's what i thought so day three was the day you got sick what happened there so i've been eating dust just because you're everybody's touring along and so there's a lot of dust gets picked up on these gravel roads and after eating dust for three days it's i don't know just Super sore throat and sick as a dog. I was really out of it. So I was struggling pretty hard pretty much the rest of the way through the event. <laughs> I was not on par at all. So I was just trying to stay hyped up on caffeine and stuff, trying to, I don't know, fake, fake some, uh, some energy. Sure. No, that's too bad. Yeah. So that kind of sucked. But it was like, like I said, when we were riding, it was, I guess it was, it would have been the end of day three. So we were, day three, we were riding with the South Koreans. And we had one of our marshals was from Brazil, and they were all phenomenal riders. Really, it was the like best day we had for sure. And we'd gotten a bunch of rain up in the mountains, so this this section that we were going through, it's full of mud holes up like up on top of these mountains, and you pop out in these big fields with just spectacular views. And uh, everybody in the group that day could ride, and it was I mean, kid you not, like hundred percent. I know at least for myself, I was going one hundred percent fast as I could go all day long and it was any mistake and this is going to end really badly because I generally try not to ride at like 
my threshold, and I was there. Wow. The entire way. At least you were in a strange Thank country where medical help is probably very nearby. Well, yeah, it was. <laughs> we had our own helicopter. So, <laughs> you know, we, uh, all I had to do was call the chopper if something happened. So there was, there was that. They, we had support vehicles that would come through sweeping, and then they would also have a helicopter that, if it was needed. And we actually did have an injury that day. Our, our media guy, so he was Cycle World Magazine, he, we were going through all these ruts up in the mountains and he hung his foot on the edge of a of a rut and spun his foot around backwards on the peg and popped his knee pretty good so he that's never good yeah it was a he had injured it actually we had met once before the trophy out in utah and he had injured it had done the same thing out in the sand dunes it healed it had just healed when we get to albania and then yeah day three it happened again in a rut and we had just told him to we're like like hey justin watch out there's a, there's a deep rut and pow <laughs> it nailed him so really sucked for him. And he still had to ride probably 45 minutes out to get to a clearing where we got some vehicles. And then he left his bike there and he hopped in a truck and rode the rest of the way out. Um, when when you you'd said you told him about the rut, so y'all have helmet communicators. Are they specific yep. to the team? So, yeah, they... you would, everybody had them. So what you would do is you'd break up. Each group that was going out would be on their own channel. So the marshal and then the two countries that were on it. Okay. You could all talk if you knew English, which it was usually, it, it never seemed to fail. Team USA was typically like the chatty little girls cracking jokes and goofing off. And a lot of the other countries, like those days, they didn't say a word. But some of them, their English wasn't great either, so that didn't help. But, yeah, we, we got told to shut up a few times. <laughs> I guess we were chatting too much. <laughs> so that day was pretty much wide open, running. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, just as fast as you could go. The somehow we never caught up with anybody because normally it's like if you were ripping too fast, you'd catch up to another group. For whatever reason, we didn't catch up with anybody. Well, I take it back. We did in a few spots, but we were able to. They were like pulled over, so we were able to pass them and keep going. And so yeah, it was just wide open and just a ball of fun. Um, and then the South Koreans who we were riding with were those guys. At the end of that day, we're like, you know, we could we could lose to these guys with. And hold our heads uh, high. Like these guys are really good riders, and made really good friends with them. They were actually only one of them really knew English. The other two, not a whole lot. But even after that, we were by the end of the day, we're cracking jokes with them, and they're firing them right back at us the best they could. And uh, we're pretty good friends for the rest of the event after that. Even even though it was like we're having to communicate through phones and having to you know have it translate for us, we had a lot of fun with those guys. That evening, once we get back, this is kind of a funny story. At dinner, they're having a they're having shrimp, and I always, as a joke here, always call them sea bugs because like they're 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 bugs of the sea. Anyway, the Koreans are looking at me and they're like, "What?" It's like sea bugs. I'm like it's a joke. They're like sea bugs. Yeah, and they're like kind of snickering at each other, and I'm like, I don't I don't see what's so funny. And they're like sea bugs. I'm like, yes, sea bugs. Like you know, bug of the sea. And then fun, they like. I mean, at this point, they're really cracking up. And they're like, I think it's like, go F yourself or something like that in Korean. <laughs> it turned into this huge joke after that. They're going around, hey, sea bugs. <laughs> That's funny. So <laughs> that would be your greeting for the rest of the week. It was. It, it really was. It was like sea bug secchi, which is, is like, hey, go F yourself. <laughs> and nobody else got it except us and them. So it was, that was pretty amusing. Yeah, that's cool. 
So talk about the next Work. day. So, and I'm getting some of these out of order, I'm realizing, because honestly, the days kind of run together. But the so one of the days, we ended up, the rain's all pretty much pretty similar. Lots and lots of rock. Really fantastic off-road riding. Like, it's just insane. But then the roads, as I mentioned earlier, we the common joke was when you're on, if you got on pavement, was, I don't know what, what mode I'm supposed to be in, because, you know, and it was obviously a joke. We pretty much always right. stayed in Enduro, but you know, you get on the road and it's so full of potholes and rocks and gravel and just total crap that you couldn't feel like, oh, if I'm on road or off road right now. But then they'd also have freshly paved mountain roads that were just insane, like perfect, gorgeous pavement and just awesome twisties. And you could rip through there. And the cool thing was, I don't know if, I don't know what the deal was, but the police were all over the place while we were out there. And they'd have locals pulled over, you know, assuming for speeding, like we'd pass them, they're shooting radar. They would not touch us, turned a completely blind eye to us. And there was a few times that we went past them doing like double the speed limit. And we're like, oh, we're getting pulled over. Nope. They never even looked at us a second time. So that was kind of interesting. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's, that um, And it was still, cool. you would, we would, you know, in, if we weren't, if we were, out in the countryside, that's you know we usually goof off there and have fun. You try to you're in the cities and stuff. Try to at least keep the sanity level to the same as the locals, which is always interesting. Um, <laughs> try not to get run over. Sure. So had a pretty good mixture of roads there. One of the nights we ended up spent the night in a castle up on top of a mountaintop. So like you come through this town, it's really awesome. But then like just this mountain shoots up right out of the, the edge of the town and it's this old ancient castle sitting on top and so we got to all the way to the very very top of this thing and camp in the ruins in the middle of it is where all our tents are set up and we have a view of the entire town and surrounding mountains and i think you posted pictures of that on facebook i remember seeing yep, that yeah there's yep but that was pretty cool that was let me think of some other highlights it's hard to think of highlights and things like that now that it's been, you know, months after the event when you probably haven't had to talk and share these stories for so long. No, I haven't. I'm, I'm scrolling through some pictures here. <laughs> Refresh my memory. It's like if I get going, there's there's a lot of stories. I'm just trying to we just need all to of them are. Open that spigot. Yeah. Were you sick when you were at the castle? Is that were you um, still sick I think at that, that point? That was before. No, I was good at that point. I was before. I was before I'd gotten sick. Get a little out of order there. I think that was day end of day two was when we were in the castle. Okay. And day three we were with the South Koreans, and I think I, I got sick basically the end of that day. And um, they got the final sea bug on you. Yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the challenges we were got pretty frustrated with those because we'd be we had been riding great, like we'd be out in the course the non scored sections riding awesome and then we get to the challenges and kept blowing them and we had fairly high expectations for ourselves of you know how we wanted to place and do and we started off like the first challenge blowing that and you know just by they're not getting the right rules or didn't hear them whatever the case was i don't i don't know but after that it was just like it was always one of us making some stupid mistake it was like you could have done the same thing 10 times in a row right and the one time where we needed an account and somebody would do something that's how it uh, works right how were you scored? Was it yeah. as a team or individually and then combined? Because there's a difference. Um, well, it, this would be individually and then combined. So, okay. but you so like, see your you individual could score, score 
Yeah, okay. You'd see individual scores, and then they'd combine all the scores. Correct. So it'd be like... Not like best ball golf, but where Ben dabs and the whole team gets a point, right? Uh, yeah, so it would. If, if, I took a, if I took a dab, then yeah, it would, it would penalize the whole team. Not sure the best ball golf rules, but yeah, it's, you're, it's, it's still combined. So it's like the Japanese guys, they lost the guy. He ended up getting hurt and was out of the event, so there was just two of them. After that, they were dead last the entire rest of the event, and it wasn't. And they, I mean, they, the um, organizers came right out and said it. They're like, it's not that they're the worst team; it's just they only have two thirds of their score. So anything you do, yeah, it, it affects the team score. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, the first two days, we were like, we were getting really irritated with how we were doing. We're like, this is just getting embarrassing because we started out day one, we we're like ninth. We ended up dropping. Oh, there's something. It was. It was like we got way down there. Like this is just like we were getting really embarrassed. <laughs> this is and just laughing about it at that point. Like this is just terrible. And so really, about day three or four, like all right, you know, screw it. It is what it is. Can't change anything with that. But let's just let's just have fun and just try it. And at that point, we did start coming around and actually started doing decent in challenges and working our way back up the up the rankings. Got back up to fourth, the highest we got up to from the hole we dug ourselves in. And in the end, we, we ended at fifth. But considering where we were, was was happy with. We definitely could have done better, which is, is still kind of frustrating. But everybody else is in the same boat because you get to the end of the day with everybody and, you know, whoever you were riding with and commiserate over. You're like, yeah, I can't believe I messed that up. And like, yeah, I did the same thing. Or the biggest thing we do is just give each other a rash of crap. So like, you know, someone would, Jim's going to hate me for saying this, but <laughs> Jim was our, our trials guy on the team, and we get in those slow race, and he um, we get like a foot into this thing and dabbed, which as soon as you dab, you're out, so your time stops. So the slow race was you take off and maximum time between the three of you. And so we get in it, and we're like, all right, Jim's probably, he's probably got this one. We, Corey and I are going to be out before him. And we get like a foot into this thing, and like either he dropped a foot, he was like going to hit a line, and so he, he dropped a foot. So like, a few seconds into it, I see G- Jim exiting the horse. I'm like, what the crap, Jim? Like, what's going on? You're supposed to win this thing. And uh, so after that, we were we were threatening we were going to cut his leg off and bury it right there where he put it in the ground. And <laughs> then it was just, there was lots of peg leg jokes. Something happened like, Jim's your peg leg slowing you down? And, <laughs> so, and that was, and I'm, I'm calling him out on that, but we all had our own stuff that we did and constantly giving each other a hard time on. That's half the fun of riding is when you can heckle each other constantly because you know you're better. You know they're better. It's just brain fart, touch the foot, oh, time to give you yeah. a little crap. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was a lot of that. That's cool. What other stuff are you finding in your pictures that we should talk about? Can you tell us some of the stages? You know, what kind of challenges were they having you yeah. do? And I don't know that everybody understands what these special stages are, but... There might be a circle that's 18 feet in diameter, and you have to do three laps around it one direction, in and out, within like a four-foot opening. So, I mean, this stuff is difficult. It's what you see, like the police bike competitions for the street people. It's a lot of that type of stuff, but with gravel, rocks, and dirt. So tell us some of the competitions you had doing. Like, what's a slow event? Yeah, so I would say it is, yeah, it is very similar to like the police rodeo type stuff with off-road and some of the spots so like one one of the challenges they had which stuff is most of the time stupid tight like really really tight and if you're not perfect on it you're gonna 
cross a line, which your points would, it seemed, we never quite figured out what, how the deductions were added in, but the least, smallest penalty you could take would be a dab, then hitting a line, and then dropping a bike. And it would, like, exponentially increase. So, like, dabbed, it would double your time, or it might be, like, half your time. Hit the line, it would double your time, and a bike would be, like, time and a half, one and a half. So you could um, you could dig yourself in a hole really fast if you messed up, and you would just blow your time out of the water on it. So it was section two where they intentionally made it like tight enough you can't make it without taking a point because the marshals would pre-run these challenges. Go, hey, yep, this is good. Adjust this. Make it how they need it. Well, one of them in particular, they're running and the marshals aren't getting it. And they opened it up and they're like, you know what? Now nah, there's a lot of good riders here. Let's let's leave it tight. Let's see what happens. And I don't know that anybody made it without taking points in it, but it was it was a relay you'd go through. One rider would take off, ride through this little woods course, cross the creek, and this is all um, pretty narrow, and it's, again, four times, so you're going as fast as you can through this stuff, but trying not to dab and hit a line. Once they go through their section, they tag the next person, next person would go, and then you get in this one corner in particular, which we've been watching, which it was decided that I should run through this one because we could see it. You couldn't tell how tight it was, but you could see everybody messing up on it. We're like, all right, there's something there. We can't see what it is, but it's stupid tight. And so I took that one and then get up to it. And it was just this flat grass turn. And I don't know how narrow it was. There was no way you were going to make this thing without taking some sort of deduction. I'm like trying to make it. And I'm like, nope, I'm, I'm going to hit a line. So just, just prayed and dropped a foot and spun the bike and was like, hopefully I didn't hit the line as my rear tire and took off out of it. And it was, it was like gorgeous and perfectly clean other than the dab, which compared to a lot of other people was, it was great. And it looked like it was kind of planned and it was on the fly. <laughs> so that was, was like, that was awesome. I'm glad it, <laughs> glad it worked. <laughs> Ran over and uh, bagged Corey. So then he, he was going through a cone weave. Then you had to end, ride your bike up on the trailer, strap it down. And of course, all this in time. So that was one. They had a navigation course, which we totally bombed. And it's not that none of us could navigate. It's just it was transferring a waypoint from one uh, Garmin device to the next. So you'd, you're on foot for this. You'd, they'd give you a waypoint. You enter it in, go. We get out to the uh, where the, the Garmin, the next device is hidden out wherever that waypoint is. You get out there to it. You pull your new waypoint off that and bring it back. And that was timed well. We got to it and the thing was not transferring. So like I'd never, I'd never transferred a waypoint from one device to another. I've done you know routes and stuff like that, but the waypoints I never messed with. So we're fumbling around with that, and then we're trying to get the transfer, and then like the Bluetooth messing up and it's not transferring for like a couple minutes. We're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like just what the heck's going on? Eventually, it finally connects, and then you sprint back to the to the end and did really bad on that one. They had, of course, the slow race, which I already told you about. So that was impressive, though. There was some of the Chinese riders. It was the most impressive slow race I've ever seen. They got in there and just locked into place and did not move for the longest time. Super, super impressive. Like, there's there's guys that are good at it, and this was just a whole other level. So define like the slow race. Define it as far as, so you're, you've got... It would send three or four teams off at the same time, so there's a bunch of different lanes. You had about a foot, maybe maybe two feet is your lane, two feet wide and say thirty feet long. So you, when the time starts, you enter your lane, and last person to cross the line on the other side wins. If you dab, you're out. If you touch a line, you're out. 
and if you touch someone else, so all those lanes are side by side. So if you clacked handlebars with somebody, then both of you are out. Which they had to bring that rule in because of the because, French. <laughs> yeah, the French one year piled all their bikes together and just sat there. Yep, resting off each other's bikes. So Which they, I think is brilliant. That bike. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is it's a totally brilliant move. But yeah, this year was they wised up and like, nope, you touch anybody, you're out. So yeah, last person across the line ones, which I won my heat on that, so that was cool. I didn't win overall, but everybody that was in our line, I won, so that was, that was fun. And they had some enduro sections, which were fun, so you would, it would just be a course set up, you could dab, and you were only penalized for drops and hitting a line. And so it's just wide open, and ripping through some off-road course, those were fun. We always did really well at those. We won the first one of those we did, we won like that was our first stage win on an enduro course. One of the other interesting ones they had was a, said it before about being blindfolded. So you had a gate that you're starting in, one rider's blindfolded, or two are not blindfolded, and you have your comms on. You're in the past, two guides were not on bikes, they were on foot, and they're guiding the blindfolded rider on a bike. Okay. This year, they added it where everybody's on bikes. So you're trying to guide this person and navigate if. And so the, the riders guiding could also take deductions for putting foot down if they hit any of the cones. Like we could, we were free. We could ride wherever. So you'd leave a gate and they had two cones. So like kind of a hard 90 to the, to the right, there'd be two cones over there. You had to go through that gate and then hard 90 to the left. And you, you know, you go 30, 40 feet and there's another gate there. So they had three or four different gates and you'd enter a box and it was like a 14 foot box. You had to do a U-turn in there and come back out and go through the, through the final gate. So as we're kind of circling, Corey was our, our blindfolded rider and was navigating him. And Jim was kind of just keeping an eye out for um, watching me, making sure I'm not hitting anything because I'm trying to guide Corey through stuff. So Jim and I are kind of circling slowly. So Corey could have his feet down. He could, but he's just kind of walking the bike along. We get him through the whole thing. He does perfect. And then like right at the end, he's getting ready to cross the final gate. <laughs> And I'm watching him as he's going through the gate, and it was like this single rock sitting out in the grass. And I nailed the thing with my front tire. Didn't even see it. And uh, I, had a, I took a dab there. We get to the end. <laughs> like a couple of seconds later, it would have been clean, a perfectly clean run. But that was a fun one. What else did they have? They had one where you uh, we had to pull a truck. So you um, actually, this was cool. It was a like an ancient Roman arena, and all the you could see like the like the tiers of seating and the stone and stuff. It's pretty okay. cool up yeah. on the top of this mountain. So in the arena, they had they had a uh, one of the Ineos Grenadiers, which was our support vehicles. At the end, rope tied to it, and the three of you would we were at the other side of the arena. Time would start. You have to sprint down to the other side. One person jump in the truck, take the brake off. I think I had to put it in neutral, and then they steer the truck as the other two pull it back to the other side of the arena and cross the finish line. That was for time. Or South Africans cleans that up. They were all, they were huge guys. They're like, yeah, if they don't win this, there's something wrong. I was going to say, it but, sounds uh, like they had one up, guy that could just pick the truck up and throw it. It was a joke. Yeah, there was a joke. They're like, Dalton, you can't, you have to actually pull it. You can't pick it up and just run back with it. <laughs> but <laughs> they got that. We ended up getting third on that, which we were happy with on that one. So they really had a variety of different things, not all motorcycle riding events, because you, you know, like you said, you did the, the GPS yeah, one. there was a this one. decent bit of motorcycle riding, but there's still always a decent bit that's not. It kind of helps level the playing field so that 
it's not always the best rider that's going to win. The best rider definitely can win. We were we were doing well riding, but we were bombing these challenges. <laughs> yeah, Whatever I remember, reason. I remember on the show, they had the GPS one, and I'm like, man, I don't even know how to do that stuff. I never use a GPS. Like an actual GPS that's outside of your phone. Yeah, and they're different. I have a GPS. I've got the NAV5. They were using the NAV6. which they're, they're fairly similar. There's not a whole lot of differences, but it's definitely different. Like if I uh, you know, was to do it again, that's one of the things I would I thought I knew it. I just I, They threw me for a loop with the, uh, the waypoint because I don't usually I knew how to transfer routes and stuff, but the waypoint was a little bit different. Sure. Um, I know how to set them. <laughs> I just never transferred one. Another challenge they had was a non-riding challenge. So one of the days we end up, this was more towards the end of the trip. We've been, everybody's nasty, covered in dust. You're tired, you're sweaty. We've been, you know, staying in little camps. Well, they, there's this beach club. We're right back, got back to the coast and um, super high end, definitely high end for Albania. But I mean, any country is like, I don't care. This place is awesome. This tiny little beach club in between these two mountains and we roll into there. There again, they got us camping right on the beach. They've got super nice facilities like BMW had just rented out the entire facility. We had it to ourselves. And you get there, as soon as we arrive, you're you're at another challenge. And it was a good way to the end of the day because they had a buoy out kind of in the, the little cove out in the bay that we were on. And you jump on a um, backup. You had one guy that had a one of the tail bags off the bike. He's on the beach. He has to sprint down to the water's edge. Where your second teammate is, they've got a, um, a paddleboard. You could use the paddle or leave the paddle. You had to put the pack on the paddleboard, take it out around the buoy out in the water, bring it back, and then sprint back up and cross uh, the finish line back to the end of the beach. So that was a good way to end, end the day. We ended up winning that challenge as well. So we actually won the day overall. That was the same day we won the um, Euro challenge. That was a that was a good day. And then after that, you, we were free to swim, and that was like rocks you could jump off out into the water and super super nice place that it was actually one spot that i i dropped a pin on my phone i was like yep if i'm back in albania at some point this is the spot i'm returning to was, i think the only spot that i did that with where i was like yep I'm, i want to come back here at some point sure good bucket really, list item really to bring your wife spot. back there yeah absolutely although she'd love it the food there was really good the food was hit or miss throughout the thing it was the spots where it was really good and there was other spots that was really questionable. <laughs> it just, like it had been sitting out a little too long. Sure. So you talked about food, and you couldn't carry much on the bikes. What did you do for food and water during the day? So they would, at every challenge, so you would have two to three challenges a day. But at every challenge, they would have four trucks there where you could refill your water. They'd have granola bars, power bars, and fruit and stuff like that sitting out. And then they would, they would always have a lunch spot. So at some point during the route, they'd have trucks there. It just depended on where in the lineup you were, whether it was actually lunchtime or not. Sometimes it was a ways after. But the food really, really wasn't too big of an issue there. They had that um, dialed in for you? Yeah. One The one funny thing on the, the food note was uh, it was at breakfast. And I, how I'd mentioned earlier, some of the things you'd like, I don't, I don't understand how this all goes together. Yep. They had this huge dish of what looked like scrambled eggs. It was at breakfast. And you know, like what you see in the U.S., Jim goes over and scoops up a big helping of it and takes the first bite. And he's like, what? That is not it. What Which was it? I hadn't seen it. It was butter. 
I, I don't know <laughs> what the heck you were supposed to do with that much butter. But I mean, like, mounded up, it was solid butter. But like, I don't know, the way it was scraped up, it, it looked like scrambled eggs. That's he comes back funny. to breakfast, he's like, he's like, don't eat the scrambled eggs. I was like, oh, what's wrong with them? He's like, they're not scrambled eggs. And I went over <laughs> and I, I was looking at it. I'm like, oh, it looks like eggs. And it was like, well. That's funny. With all of the groups, did you get to ride with every country? Is that the way they did it? You rotated through? Or did you not no, get to ride with all of them? Yeah, there wasn't enough days to be able to ride with everybody. So a few of the countries we, we really wanted to ride with the South Africans. Never got to ride with them. We would see each other at special stages, or if there was like kind of bottlenecks where people were stuck, we'd run into them there. We didn't get to ride with them. The Brits, we didn't get to ride with. We didn't ride with any of the Chinese teams. Was everybody so marked? It was a nice move. Somehow? Um, usually, you'd, you'd pick each other out by your helmet. Okay. Usually, each country had matching helmets. Okay. The only other markings would be on the bikes themselves. You'd have your, your country's flag on your bike. Sure. And your name, but... Mainly to help what you're going on. So, a competition like this, what is the average age of the competitor, do you suppose? <laughs> the youngest was 18, was a South African, and the oldest was, I think she was 65. Tiny, one of the French ladies, absolutely tiny little lady, 65 years old, and she did not have any quit in her body. The average, it, it's hard to say, it was, it was a complete mixture, everything in between. Because you're not very old. So would you say like you were kind of like a lot of the people were your age? Yeah, probably 30s to 40s, I would guess. But Okay. No, just curious. It decently diverse. Okay. Um, it wasn't weighed heavy to one side or the other, I guess. Sure. Of course, you know I'm curious because I plan on qualifying as a 50-year-old. That's my goal for 23. And how old are one. you? I'm 50. Uh, you'll, uh, <laughs> I'll be the old man. No, no, you'll be fine. <laughs> that's just funny you guys finished fifth how did the ladies finish do you remember this year they separated them out which i think was good so they were scorched we'd be we we did ride with them so we're all still running the same thing but they're in their own bracket essentially whereas previous years everybody's been in the same one so this year was different where we're all doing the same thing but they're just scored separately so scoring wise i forget how they how they ended up it was I know there was a lot of people saying, like, why did the girls have so many more points than the men's team? That was because there was only six of them, so they would podium more often, so therefore they're constantly getting higher points each time. Like the winning, you know, women's team and the winning men's team would, you know, so the women would have 400 points and the men would have 200. Okay. Full of members out of the air. Sure. Um, mainly because it was easier, you know, less people, the points are spread out over less people. So. Overall, it was so as far as riding, how they did it varied. There was some of them that were really good, and then there was others that struggled a bit in places. But with that, if, as long as you're not in a challenge, I mean, everybody's you know, the competition would basically start and stop. When you're not in the challenge, you're friends. So if someone's getting hung up, you're helping them out, making sure they're okay. And so like we rode a couple different women, so there was in you know in some of the trickier spots, you'd help them if they needed it, and or you know spot people through sections. Didn't have to do it a whole lot, but they was usually in the trickier sections. They would sometimes they take some assistance, or they would, you know, like, "Hey, just catch me if I fall, but I'm gonna keep trying till I till I get it." Like some of them, they didn't have any quit in them. Sure. What position did the United States women finish? Do you know? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Um, so the scores are never released, so like we don't know, don't know where they fell worldwide at all. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't know if they shared that. It was, or... it was like just like no, like even you know my score from the final or. Jim McCory's like, we don't know 
we know what position we got, but we don't know what our final score was. No, that's what I'm asking. Their position. Do you know what position they ended up? The U.S. women's team? I don't know. Okay. If they didn't say, so basically they selected the top six worldwide out of all the, you know, so basically only the top six countries' women's teams got. Oh, so the United States may not have had a women women's team at the trophy. They did not. So what okay. happened was. That makes sense. So, so yeah, so there's only, sorry if I didn't explain that. Well, no, and only, I don't, I don't think I ever knew accepted. it. Yeah, I don't think I ever okay. knew it. So, okay. So they only say, like, all right, we have six, we're going to take six women's teams to the trophy. So worldwide, when you're qualifying, they're, you know, this, it's only the top six that are allowed to go, whereas the men's, if any country that's qualifying, they're taking those teams. Yes. Which, even at that, there's still a limited number. They only open it up to so many countries, Just which they actually told me, they're like, they do it so the event isn't too big, so it's more, it's more intimate. Because if you had, if you open it up to every country, then it, I just didn't want to be that big. Sure. Like no, that makes sense. Anyway, so that's how that works. So I don't, I can't, I don't know how the U.S. women did where they ranked in that. So they, they didn't make the cut on it, which I felt really bad for them on that. I was like, oh, that's so you win the qualifier and then, then you don't make the uh, main event. So Right. So team event, even at qualifying. Have you stayed in contact with any of the competitors at all, either U.S. or other countries since the event? Yeah. Best guys, definitely. We, we still chat regularly. And then a few from, yeah, from the other countries. Uh, we on social media some and one of the thailand guys they they actually sent me a shirt from team thailand that was that was cool after the fact i got it right at thanksgiving showed up in the mail that was pretty nice cool. unexpected yeah that's cool have you heard anything oh, I, on the tv show oh, go ahead what were you gonna say well because i know i know another good story and I, I can't believe i forgot about this so in the midst of uh of being sick and out of it we uh we were starting off the ride this is actually when we were at the beach club, that was super nice. That next morning, we're leaving, heading out. And we hadn't gone, I don't know, 10 minutes on pavement. And we turn off onto a gravel road. I'm in the front. There's We were riding with actually the women that day. So it was the marshal, the, um, I think it was the Brazilian women. And then we were going up the rear. So I was the first in our group, or, or sorry, for our team. As soon as we pull off onto the gravel, we go 50 yards. And it's, it's turning into gravel slash you know, fist-sized rocks, and there's this tiny little mud hole, and I'm like, yeah, whatever, and I just, I rip right through this mud hole, and as soon as I do, it, that was like some evil crap mud, and just clogged <laughs> the tires right up, and the front end wash, and I just, next thing I know, I'm sliding, like the bike's spinning down the down the road, and I'm just, like, rolling, <laughs> and um, we rode in, like, fighter formation pretty, just to keep down on dust, we'd stay pretty close to each other, and I just hear tires sliding on gravel behind me and like right about the time i stop rolling down the road i i mean it's coming right up on Corey just wham just nailed me his cylinder head hit me like right into my butt cheek kind of waist area and sent me flipping even further down the road <laughs> and i'm like i get up and i was like i stood up immediately i'm just like ouch <laughs> and then it was like i lay back down for a minute and i'm like all right that really hurt and i'm like i think i'm okay well they i didn't realize i had cut my mic off on my helmet so the marshal and the uh brazilian they kept riding they didn't even know i'd wrecked oh and no. um they're gone i i expect i thought they you know heard me go down and walking and they never heard it <laughs> get up and wait in there a minute i'm like all right i think i'm good 
get the bike up. And then, so the other thing is you would, you could get point deductions for bike damage. So okay. those could get pretty significant. So if you got a flat tire, it was fine. They would repair it for, you know, no deduction. But if you had to have a tire replaced because of abuse, like if you burn it off, that would be 30 points, which for reference, if you want a stage, that was only 25 points. So you, your whole day okay. could be completely shot off of a little bit of bike damage. Sure. Um, blinker was a point. I think a lever was a point. So those were minimal. But if you tire rim damage was pretty extensive. If you totaled the bike, it was like 60 points. And then you know, motor damage, stuff like that, you could, you could get into the anywhere the 30 to 60 range of points you could lose. So crashing that thing, I mean, I'm seeing it sliding down the road. I'm like, oh. Like there's, this is where we're starting to come back at this point. I'm like, oh, that's that's not good. Get the bike up, and I'm looking at it, and the bike's perfectly fine. I'm like, oh, I have no clue how it's not leaking oil everywhere. From because it was, it wasn't like sliding down the road. It was, I mean, it's rock. Sure, went skidding across. And the bike was totally fine somehow. There was enough mud on it from the day before. You couldn't really. Just, it kind of looked fine. So, take any deductions on that. Thankfully, I was okay. I was. Bleeding a little bit from my elbow somehow through my through my pad. I don't even know how that happened, but it was um, it was okay. So it kept going. As that day went on, though, I was definitely like I was hurting pretty good. Could get some ibuprofen from uh, the marshal and grinned and bared it after that. <laughs> sure, <laughs> take it like a man. Yeah, it, it ended well. Yeah, it sounds like they've recorded it for a TV show again. Do you recall yeah, seeing yeah. that stuff going on? Yeah, so it was definitely, I actually talked to the guy a fair bit that was doing it, and he told me it'll be out when he finishes. Um, okay, well, he's not done, because I just checked, the last one was on Amazon TV, if you guys want to watch this, yep. just go search Amazon TV and type GS Trophy, and it'll come up. It's think, the last one from 2020. New, yeah, I think it's called the New Zealand Adventure or something like that, the actual name of it. I'll have to look. I would think yep. if you yeah, search GS on, Trophy, it would still come up, though. It's on Amazon Prime, and I think I'm fairly certain he said it would be on Amazon Prime, but he didn't. He was pretty hesitant to say much about it, other than it would, it would be done when he finished. Yeah, because um, I, I I can't wait to see it, and everybody's going to be able to see. I think all of these stages you're talking about they recorded for television. I know he was at all of them, and we'll see how much of it makes it. Um, I know they had a lot of highlights on social media and stuff, but even this and you know YouTube. If you search it on YouTube, you can see a lot of those. They have it broken down day by day. It's like a two or three minute video, highlight video of the day. The thing is, most of them show just the special stages, which you see the special stages, the scoreboard. So you get a very different perspective if you're watching those because it looks it looks like almost the whole thing is just competition. And like I said earlier, that's like it's like a five minutes of your day or so, depending. So there's huge gaps in there that you don't see of of Honestly, where a lot of the really fun stuff happens is outside of those, but it's still, they're cool uh, little highlight videos of, uh, of the event. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to try to find those, but folks, you can go find those as well. They're very fun to watch. Really cool. Yeah. They're honestly, I mean, a lot of that watching stuff like that would, would motivate me to, you know, want to do it once I found out about it and started looking at it. I'm like, yeah, this is pretty cool. Watching the show on the 2020 is what kind of, well, it is what piqued my interest because I really didn't know what it was, as we've talked about in the past. So back stateside, you got back home. I saw recently you had listed your BMW for sale. Did you, have you sold that yet? I have not sold it yet. Yeah, I did put it up for sale. 
I've got a new uh, GS Trophy Edition 1250 sitting in the dealership waiting for me. They ordered it and trying to get mine sold so I can buy that one. There you go. So, if, and it's a great looking bike. If you guys don't know what it looks like, um, do you have pictures of it on your Instagram or Facebook? Do you have Instagram? Yeah, I don't think it's on Instagram, but it is on Facebook. Okay. Uh, under market. <laughs> yeah, the bike's great. It's uh, And I honestly, I hate to sell it. The only reason it's like, but it being a GS Trophy edition, that's what we were on in Albania. And I'm like, ah, it'd be really, it'd be a cool keepsake to get the same thing we were on. Um, same bike you're on, same graphics, same everything. Yep, yeah, I, I did get in touch with the graphics company that provided the graphics for the trophies, so they can exact same graphics. They're gonna make you up a set. That's awesome. Yep, yep, yeah, custom set. So. That's awesome. I can see why you're there and that. waiting, for, waiting for me. So good deal. Congratulations. If I can get it sold. Oh well. Hasn't happened yet. I need to need to sell it first, but it will. It will. Maybe one of the listeners will listen and go find your bike on marketplace. What is it? What year is it? Uh, it's a twenty sixteen twelve hundred GSA. So search for that, and you'll probably find it somewhere. What state are you in? Maybe we can narrow it down a little. Uh, yeah, easiest thing. Look me up on the Facebook and on there. Okay. Cool. I got it. I completely disassembled it. Went through everything. Fixed a bunch of stuff and had some warranty work done on it. All ready to go. Now it's good to go, ready for a new home, so you can get yours. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So that brings us to my favorite part of the show. You're familiar with it. The five questions. I made sure we did not get the same questions. So are you ready? Okay. Are you ready for this? I guess I was hoping you didn't do the same ones because helped me a little bit on the last one. <laughs> well, I can't make it easy. So I ran the. I I put the, there's 20 questions. And then there's a you pick. So I put all the lines in there and then I spin the wheel. And then these are the questions you got. Okay. You ready? Okay. The you pick is I pick, sure. not not you as a guest because you all don't right. know what the questions are. So the first question, if you could have one gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say? A giant billboard? Yep. A gigantic billboard with anything on it anywhere. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, but wait, well, I, I, Jesus loves you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus loves you. Perfect. There you go. <laughs> I wasn't going to tell you. You should probably put your bike on there for sale. But number two, uh, question number yeah, two. Right, think about it. <laughs> question number two. How would you describe motorcycling to somebody that has never ridden a motorcycle? See, that's my happy place. Freedom, um, feel alive doing it. That's, I don't know, bad day on a motorcycle beat. Good days doing other stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I think I think freedom, at least for adventure riding, depends what, obviously depends what type of uh, riding you're doing, but getting off the beaten path and going places where not a lot of people go. That's good. Question number three. What is something really weird or unsettling that seems to happen to you on a regular basis? <laughs> um, let's see. Good at laughing at really bad times. Like <laughs> you're like, you know, you'd be like at a funeral or something, and something happens, and then like, not the place to laugh. Like awkward situations where, well, I wish I shouldn't even say awkward, but like. 
it could be like a super serious situation and I'll start smiling and kind of snickering <laughs> completely <laughs> involuntarily. And uh, it doesn't always have the best reaction from the other people that are. Yeah. Then you have to explain um, it. And you're like, no, no, let's no. Just, let's just use my wife as an example. But um, yeah, she doesn't particularly like it when I start snickering <laughs> when I shouldn't be. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Question number four. What topic would you speak about if you were asked to give a TED talk on something outside of your main area of expertise? What kind of talk? Sorry, I didn't broke up there. A TED talk? TED talk? You know what TED talks are, right? TED talk? Ted. I don't know what a TED talk is. So a TED talk is where they usually get up and everyone I've seen is 15 to 15-ish minutes where they talk. They're the expert on something. And they talk you. about something and why it is the way it is because they're the expert. So you have to pick something you're not an expert on, something outside of your main area expertise. What would you talk about? What topic? If you haven't noticed, I'm really bad at answering. <laughs> <laughs> These are supposed to trip you up. Yeah. Outside of my area of expertise. Would that be like current expertise or like it has a lot of different areas. Right, just any area you're not an expert in. Any. What would you talk about for 15 minutes? I wouldn't. I would laugh. <laughs> just get on the stage and nervous laugh. <laughs> like, um... <laughs> I have no clue again. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, nope, I got one for you. Childbirth at home. Oh, there you go. Pros, Talk about childbirth. The pros at home. of childbirth at home. There you go. <laughs> Love Wait it. Is yours going to be born at home? It will. Oh, nice. Perfect. So then you oh, will have you will have things to talk about. So then my last question was, I got a you pick, so I got to pick the question for you. What we're have done you? <laughs> what's that? I said I thought we were done already. No, this is the last one. What, what have you changed your mind about in the last few years and why? Uh, Given your experience with this whole trophy thing, that's kind of why I picked this question for you. So what have you changed your mind about in the last few years and why? Well, I'll, since we've been talking about the trophy, I'll, I'll leave it related to that. Cause yes, my perspective has definitely changed on it. So starting out, 100% did it for the competition sake of it, and that was kind of the only thing I was focused on was it's a competition, and I'm, I would like to win it. And the the whole event is, yes, the competition's there, the competition's happening, but that's not that's not what the event is about. Um, it's so much more than that with all the cultures getting there together like I didn't I didn't take into account like you all the people that you'd be meeting the, and everybody's of you know a like mind you know, everybody's there because they love riding and yeah I just I never even thought about any of it so we were there and I'm like this is super cool being able to interact with all these people and yeah we're competing against each other but we all became friends too and people had said that would happen and I'm like yeah yeah whatever like I'm I'm not there for that. I'm there for the competition. And 
absolutely by the end I I 100% changed my mind on it. Obviously it is still awesome to win and I wish we had but the whole experience and the takeaway from it is so much more than that. That's awesome. And I've heard that from other people. Yeah, and honestly when they said it I didn't believe them. I was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's hard. It, is, it is true. Yeah, when you're a competitor. It's one of those things yeah, when right. you're a competitor, if you have a competitive personality, that's hard to hear because you're like, yeah, that sounds great, but that's not me. Right. And you, you can't stick to that. You will have less fun. You'll have a, you'll have a worse experience because you'll get frustrated when things don't, aren't going right. Sure. And you won't enjoy the experience. And that was kind of what I hit on earlier was like, that was what switched for us was, and we're like, we're not doing great. This is we're at this point straight up embarrassed, but we're only here once, so let's let's make the most of it. And that's when it starts to turn around and we started having more having a lot more fun doing it. That's good. So that being said, do you have any final parting words for the audience? If you want a super clean, adult owned <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know of a perfect one for sale. Nice. There you go. Where can we follow you? Did you say you don't have or do have an Instagram? Just the bike's I not on. I do have an Instagram. Well, Instagram, yeah, I Facebook. I have Instagram and Facebook. Okay, what are they? Yep. Facebook's just pen pop. Instagram is as well. I'm not on Instagram as much. I do a little bit with it. I don't keep up with it as much. No problem. I will uh, put links to those in the show notes. I think that's it. Do you have anything else? Nothing you can I think guess of? With that, yeah, if you get on, I've got... You go back to September on my on my page. I've got a bunch of pictures on there. Um, I try to post every day or two during the trophy. So there's a bunch on there. Okay. And then, like, you can look at YouTube. There's there's lots of uh, recaps and highlight reels of the event. Sure. So guys, oh, and go. Um, probably by the time this comes out, they're getting ready to announce the next location for the trophy. I think it's in the next week or two. I think it's a couple weeks away, so it's going to be real close to the day that this thing drops is when they will announce yeah. the 2024 trophy location. Looks like somewhere in Africa to me, but we'll see. It's determined, but that's shortly. Yeah, so. can't wait to if find you're not out. Training, you should um, start training and do it. True. Yes, if you're not training, I have not seen anything on qualifiers yet, when or where they are going to be. So I'm, I'm watching for that, of course. My schedule's booked out pretty much through the summer, so i got to make sure I can fit one of those in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully I'll see you there. Yeah. Are you going to be a guest? Are you going to be a trainer, a marshal? What's the deal? I don't know. I hope to be there. We'll see if I get invited. I, <laughs> they had spoken about it. We'll see what happens. But I, I'm, hopefully we'll be there. That'd be awesome. I'd love to see you there. And I, At one point, you had a buddy that was going to try. If that's the case, are you coaching yeah. him? No, I don't. I don't think it's going to work out for him this year. Huh? Okay. So he, he's not going to be doing it. So. Well, I will all, be all up to you. I'll be calling you, looking for pointers all along. So, folks, if you like what you're hearing on the Wild Ass Podcast, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. You can follow the adventures on Facebook or Instagram by looking for the Real Wild Ass, and of course, I am Wild Ass Craig. Thank you all for listening to this episode. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks, and of course. Thank you again, Ben, for coming back to the show. Thanks for having me back. Appreciate it.